Coming to you from the Lone Star State. You're now tuned in to the number one NBA and wrestling podcast on the planet. The Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. This is Money in the Bank Shot. Your source for all things in the ring and on the court. Now, uh, let's get ready to rumble with your host, Brian Zillum. Chris, it has been way too long, my man. How's it going? Great, man. I cannot complain. We got good stuff going on everywhere and good stuff to watch again. Now that both basketball is back and wrestling world might be more interesting, whether that's good or bad for you, it's <laughs> and I'm just enjoying life. How, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Although my brain like malfunctions on a Wednesday because I try to fight. Okay, what do I need to watch live? What do I need to actually DVR? So I did watch Dynamite and the Mavs Bulls live and. I felt like that went okay, at least for the first half of the maps. And then uh, obviously the second half, but I, I felt like I was ba- bouncing back and forth. There was that 20 minute period where I had to pause everything because you know, the wife needed something. I was like, ah, all the days, come on, just give me Wednesday night at uh, seven. And of course, that's, I had com- I'd forgot the Mavs were actually tipping off at seven because we're so used to that nice little 7.30 slot. And I was like, ah, missed the first couple minutes of a reround and, yeah, but other than the result, of course, we'll talk more Mavs here shortly. But Wednesdays are chaotic in a very fun way. But let's go ahead and start, Chris, and talk a little basketball before we talk wrestling towards the second half of the show here. What have you liked so far? We're about a quarter into the season. I'm still tripping out that there's only 72 games now in in the season. Officiating has been... All over the map. All agreed the map with every game I've watched. It doesn't matter what crew or what have you, but it's made it like both frustrating, but also more interesting. Cause like, obviously they saw some stuff in the Olympics that like FIBA made people more interested in, in just a, in a few tweaks of officiating. Now, obviously they have not executed that correct. Good God, they are missing blatant fouls, but I find it more compelling what changes they are like trying to enact and why and really finding which stars that is actively affecting ones that you expect trey young or james harden but ones that i less expected i'll say i did not think that it would affect dame right but it's totally changed the way dame's lines are going it's crazy so it's really made like this new wrinkle of reassessing our star players through a, the lens of like how much were they just gaming the system and how much is like legitimately are it's their basketball knowledge like keeping them the best in the game that's strangely enough been something i've been very fascinated by even when it's frustrating yeah and of course nobody likes the new ball either i personally grew up with a with a spalding ball i'm like eh, but but at the same time I feel like a quarter into the season, you hopefully could adjust to a new ball by then. Am I crazy? I know it takes some. They had training camp and we're now, what, 10, 12, depending on team games in. That's a long time to adjust. Am I, am I being unreasonable there? No, that sounds fairly feasible because you count the preseason like in those. I don't know 
on some relief, but I reckon they probably were if I had to take a wild guess. Of course, you've got 12 games. So you've got anywhere from 15 to 16 games that get used to it. I don't know why it's, but again, I know I'm a creature of habit where if that one minute thing offset me, it's going to just fuck up everything else. So I can relate at least in that aspect a little bit. If it feels different coming off your hand when you have re- repetitively perfected a motion for two, three, four years, however many years it is, and you change an element of that, it totally, that can absolutely do it. But they also have spent at this point months and months on the new ball to readjust one more factor. So I don't know. It's, I, I recognize that it's that everybody's unhappy about it, but we, we still can do it, guys. You are the best of the best. They've had some stars run through there, but I feel like they're kind of like the new Spurs, like the late 90s, early aughts Spurs, where they're always going to be in contention just because they're good. And all of their role players get it. And the brain moves, the ball hops. And it just I just get vibes of that sort of, yeah, we have something special going on here and we're not playing with everybody else. Like we're us against us. And if it carries us in the playoffs, great. I don't know. I, they are fun to watch. Like, have that. Who would have called them with one loss? No one. Like, no, absolutely not. Same. Now, granted, on the other side of that, who would have called the Lakers <laughs> where they are? Like, we joked when they when all the signings happened this off season, but I didn't think this was what they were looking at. Russ has looked weird. Nobody wants. No. I don't know how DeAndre Jordan is conning his way out of these teams. What does he have? <laughs> what does he have? He's got to have nudes of somebody or just like some kind of pull in the players league. Because who is buying what he's selling? Like, I have to start and I will give you next to nothing useful. Deal? And they're like, yeah, sure. Come on over. What is that? <laughs> I, I, I like your theory because you, you look at the deal he got at Brooklyn and I know he got more leverage as Durant's buddy, if anything. And I don't think Brooklyn wanted to give him that bag. But if that was something to appease Kevin Durant, I think you just have to say, oh, I guess we're just wasting $60 million here. But oh, we got it. No big deal. Like, I'll say when he first got here, like he did an interview with like Machine of Bobby and guy is super likable. So I may just be like, he is a great dude, but he's getting paid frontline money to be a locker room dude if i would have said chris the washington wizards are going to be number one in the east on november 2nd or 12th but what day is this november 12th with a hodgepodge lakers cast off roster bradley bill and then spencer dinwiddie man i have made a push for dinwiddie to the mavs but like obviously when dealing with one injury history I get why that's not a priority, but man, he would have been beautiful next to Luca. Oh yeah, I the I mean, same the Wizards don't have never made any sense. Like when they were really bad, I didn't understand why they were so bad in a lot of ways. But Rui Hachimura, I like that guy. Dinwiddie, and like you said, the the castoffs that they got from the Lakers, maybe they just needed a new setup with not focused around. I, I don't know. It's hard to argue with the results because like Chicago being up there tied with them, eight and three, like that one makes more sense. Like they threw everything at this offseason to make it happen. And we saw them that last Mavs game. And they, they, they look great. 
they look like everybody has a well-defined role and, and is playing well. For the Wizards to be right there with them, I got to give all the credit to that coaching staff because it, it did not look like this was going to be the case. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy, shout out to a friend of the uh, pod, uh, Xavier Santos. He was banging the drum on the table for uh, Dinwiddie, writing really solid articles at MavsMoneyBall.com to get him here. I was definitely open to it. I just didn't know if the Mavs were going to, one, be available or and then be willing to actually throw that money. But the money he got, I felt like that was actually pretty reasonable yeah he was coming up it was coming off an injury for sure and i know the Mavs have they have chandler parsons ptsd a little bit but i think that would have been a guy i want to say without knowing off the top of my head chris i want to say i want to say three without cheating i could be wrong three or four three or four maybe three and a four four year option maybe i hate Mavs off season was basically you know lowering get kyle lowry aka Resigned Timmy was the priority. So I don't begrudge them that, but that would mean you don't get Timmy back here. That's what that would have cost us. And I get that the Mavs weren't ready to do that. And we can talk all we want about the lackluster start to the Nico Harrison era. But as far as, you know, contract, we, he's on us. You're right. He's on a three year. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, Timmy is important to this team. And Dinwiddie would have basically made that not possible. So I, I one of those should have, would have, could have. Have you had a chance to really watch the Fighting Carlisles in the Eastern Conference yet? <laughs> no, but I, seeing their record, I was like, I guess I'm not missing much. To be fair, they I feel like they've lost about four or five games in the fourth quarter. And I think I, I, last night was the first time they had Brogdon, they had Turner, Sabonis. They're young, young, old rookie out of Oregon that Carlisle loves. That's a great, really good. I think that that was the first time they were relatively healthy. And Warren is still on the way at some point this season for them. But from what I've seen, they've been pretty enjoyable. I, I feel like once they actually get uh, together, Brogdon, for the, those two games he's been back, he's been killer. So I was like, oh, okay. If anything, it would be uh, the, the symmetry of Carlisle making two bigs work in Indiana. It would just be a, such a kick in the nuts for Mavs fans. Yeah, man. And Miles Turner, I've liked that guy since college. I'm a UT guy, and Miles is on the charts. And I think that guy's just a very talented big. And when we talk about the Mavs roster, I'm sure bigs will come up. And someone like Miles Turner would be. So useful for us, in my opinion, my humble opinion. They they have like the I could see why call it Carlisle draws just he or to that job because it's reminiscent of of what he was working with as Lucas entered the fray. He had he has had people that all just need coaching up, and then he coached them all up to the best of their abilities and then asked him to go further, which is usually, which is actually what has hurt some of our players promoting role players past their ability. You look at guys like, I don't know, Karis LeVert, like that guy is, that guy has some skills and if given the right kind of stuff could really take off in a really interesting way. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying Carl 
to the idea of not having an opening night roster of Elton Brand and Chris Kamen. Oh, the Chris Kamen. <laughs> Man. Elton Brand was the best 6'8 center that I've watched on a Mets team. <laughs> Ooh, that guy had some great games for us, but like, Chris Kamen, man. That guy, the only thing that was fun about Chris Kamen, I'll say, was like, it was fun to watch a literal caveman run up and down the court. Like, oh, yeah. It was rough times. Seeing him and Dirk paired on the floor together was just amusing. Those were, uh, yeah. not, uh, we've had darker Maverick times, but those were not, those were not fun times, but let's get into harken back to. No, absolutely not. Those are the ones that kind of uh, dry erase from memory. But let's Dallas Mavericks. Seven and four currently at time of recording here. My mess sweater is very interesting. Like you've got your very pessimistic people. You've got your over positive people. You've got some people in the middle. You've got people yelling at you for being too negative you've got people yelling at you for being too positive sure but i i think the one overarching thing i think everybody can agree on is just this roster ain't it man this roster is just not it it and that's what i was talking about with the lackluster start to the nico harrison brigade and look, i'm not gonna lay it all at nico's feet for sure he to a very new thing happened very fast all that finn's been here finn yeah. And he damn knew the roster before we started everybody. But how do you end up with a roster with six bigs? And quote unquote, Donnie Nelson loved his bullpen bullpen approach to centers. But if you're going to have a bullpen, they can't all be singular specialists. Yes. At least two things. You're being R.A. Dickey or something. Dude, Dwight, he can roll. Got it. He set screens. There's two. I'll give you that he can do two things. Bobon. He can body a guy and that it. Like he can punish a tiny team. He can punish a tiny team. Yes. But you look at Willie Collie Stein, who can do nothing on the and Moses Brown, who had who can rebound. That is the one skill that he currently has in spades. But none of them can do two things. And not one of them that I just mentioned can defend. Not one big on this center, not one center on this outside of Porzingis when he switches over to the five can defend. And so if you have a ton of dudes who can't be used for 50% of the game, you need to make a change and to just run that back and be like, we got Moses. That's not it. That is not it. And I lay that fully at the feet of the front office. You can't look at this roster in the offseason and be like, no, perfect. Let's keep that. I love Bobby. Porzingis is staying for what it is. When Maxi is around, he is he's absolutely our most effective big. He's starting to get hurt a little more because he's been running. Having to do everything. He's been running to the ground for years and he ain't no spring chicken. Maxi Maxi's 29. And to play as hard as he does and be as agile and mobile as he is, that's a running for a dude who's starting to have some lower body issues it's it sucks i love maxi i will carry that flag forever don't worry you can't look at this roster and not want to improve it and just like the frustrating things like you were saying chris with the bigs all the the majority of them do all do the same thing and god forbid if any of them like would not just cluster like 
the the lanes and just mess up every amount of space you know, you know the man i'm sure you've seen the le- the latest porzingis ones they all cluster together nobody wants to move around it's just guys can you at least go on the other side of the equator where three guys are not on the same like side of the paint help us out a little bit it's almost like all of them want to only play the help defense right like, everybody wants to play the same role but there's two <laughs> you know it it done it doesn't work and that falls onto new coaching staff if you got guys who are limited in this way you're gonna lose games trying to teach them whole new skill sets or you can adjust your scheme to the staff you have and i don't see either of those things happening like at all over the course of our now quarter of the season i don't see any sort of change in how they're using the bigs to clear that up and and to cover more space i don't see it i do not but remember chris this is an instant oatmeal we've got to be patient it's, it's got to, it does have to cook uh, it's a good it's a good line he was very proud of it that smirk on its face but i it, it's really hard to there's too much blame to go around i saw locked on maps they were like who's to blame for this a little bit of everybody like coaching staff is trying to get uh, since they didn't get a second ball hander next to luca they're asking everybody else to step up and also be a ball handler dorian is having one of his worst years and i'm including his rookie year like production wise because he's trying to be spread too thin like they last coaching staff nailed what dorian can do well and to try to rewrite that He's taken a huge regression that stinks because he's got to be on the floor. You know, it's not helping to ask these guys to like continually step up instead of fixing the roster. Yeah. And great segue into Dorian there, Chris. So my biggest thing with Dorian, I, I know a lot of people have said, oh, there's nothing wrong with the offense. Dorian's just not making a shot. But guys, he should be our fifth or sixth, like, best player and your expectations of Dorian right now he has to be our third or fourth and if he's not cooking we're cooked the the logic in behind that is just so frustrating because I, I tweeted something out the other day where the onus of this Mavs offense should not be on Dorian like shoulders guys he he's a bargain like he's a very good role player but the fact that you're expecting him to be oh I don't know I'm trying to think of a maybe a guy you're expecting him to be Spencer Dinwiddie. Yep. And that's just not his role. And like kudos to him for trying, but like it it's that's not what he needs to be. We we were better off with him not attempting those things. Exactly. And that's my biggest beef with the team that I've seen it sort of bubbled over for me last year. Bubble is we got exposed by the Clippers that we have a lot of really good role players. That we are expecting to take that next leap. And like Maxi, like I said, like Maxi does a lot of things really well, but if you need Maxi to do more than like 12, 13 points a game, that's a problem at the base level. Like he shouldn't be needing to score that much. You shouldn't need that kind of coverage from a guy who is getting under 25 minutes a night. Like that's not a thing. But truthfully, they've had a success here. Like, Jalen Brunson looks monster. He's going to get a bag. Absolutely done what they are trying to make everybody else on this roster do. Take that step and go, oh, we were geniuses 
for getting him so low and turning him into this. He is, he's the exception, not the rule, but they're trying to right. take what he's done, their business model on how they, you know, grew up a team. And Brunson is a, is a certified badass right now. He is awesome. I love watching him play. He is, something happened over the summer and he is just the best right now. I love watching him play right now. And I guess another question that the Mavericks are going to like have with themselves, you ready to unload that truck for him? Because I, uh, I, I love Jalen, I, I love Jalen, don't get me wrong. And I think in the predicament they're in right now, they almost are forced to, and my best optimistic, I guess, take on Jalen is let him just cook the rest of the season. You sign him to that contract. Maybe you can will and deal a sign and trade in the offseason because I, I just don't for the amount of money he could collectively get if he stays at this level. I just don't know if that benefits the Mavs to say some people are thinking he could get anywhere from upwards to I've seen 80. I think the maximum he could get if he really cooks could be like a $100 million contract. And I I, I love Jalen and CBA Mavs does like a really good job breaking down that stuff, but Thanks, but no thanks. I just, that's just not in my wish list right now to re-sign these guys that are not really going to provide you any additional upward trajectory as far as like up roster construction moving forward. So I think there's a couple of pieces to that. that I, I, I agree. I think the four for 80 sounds very reasonable for what he'd get. A hundred million, that's a hurting team that, that would need to throw that kind of bag in. That's somebody, I don't know, Let's say the Pelicans or Charlotte, if they have an injury, Charlotte's got milk. But somebody who's hurting, maybe like a Minnesota, something like that, they would, they, to get him to leave. But I think the 80 is reasonable. I can look at this roster as it stands and I can get a lot of that money and feel totally fine with what we lose out of it. But like I can get rid of yeah, Trey Burke's 3 million, Willie Colley Stein's 4 million and White Pals 11, and give all of that to Jalen, and right. still go find like a serviceable center and fit in money as we need to for minimums to fill out the contract, or to fill out the roster. I can find money for Jalen here, but they got to stop with this, let's have seven of one thing. We actually have to commit to our players and not just commit to, I don't even know, just this process of let's have a whole bunch and see what works you actually have to think about your roster and build it that's what chicago did this offseason they looked at their entire roster and said nope gotta pull the trigger here and here and you see what one one big who can do multiple things can do for a roster look at chicago valentinus great he did every he did everything he did everything he could for or against us. So against all of our bigs, every single one. The other part of Jalen that is obviously is who else is out there this awesome? I don't really know. I haven't started checking yet because we are only 10, 12 games into the season. I, I'm not there yet where I'm already starting to look to offseason. Let's see a little bit more before I start like literally burn it down and rebuild it. But I can find Jalen some money and I'd like him to stay. I give that about a 40%. I, I like your take on Let's sign and trade. Let's get something for him. Because letting him go for free, that would hurt. Oh, God. If you look at the plus minus, he's the only guy who's making it work. 
he is the common factor for this team functioning right now. And that's including, you know, Luca looks a little more human this year. And I don't fully know what to chalk that up to. Maybe he was just a little too busy this offseason to where he's just, he needs a minute. I don't blame him, but it's still like, it's apparent. If we, it's sort of the, like, you can look at it right now in the big situation with Maxi being gone, with the hole that he rep or that he is presenting shows how bad our center situation is and how much he's been covering. That's on the, on the ball handler side. That's what Jalen's doing. He's covering a lot of glaring shoes with, with our point guard, shooting guard situation. I, it, it, it's confounding to look at. I don't know what we're so attached to that we can't try anything. I don't know if Jay Kidd is like looking at him. Okay, this is a rookie that hadn't been given his due. If I can turn him into something, that'll be what I hang my hat on as a coach. He sees the opportunity to show himself as a person who can develop a player. Like, cool. I don't know if that needs to be on our roster if it was going to get us something that will help you win, which is a cooler thing to hang your hat on as a coach, as a first-year coach with a new team, first-year with a new team coach wins that's more important i understand we we don't have we haven't had a bunch of draft picks but hey we aren't using them at all i don't want to bring up the dreaded name of desmond bain and point to sore spots of what should have would have could have but if you don't draft well and then you just bench the other person it's not going to go anywhere it's not going to it's not going to be useful <laughs> I know a lot of people are frustrated with just the roster and Josh Green in general. You have access to the free agency class for this summer. What do we have? Man, it's uh, you got a couple of huge, hilariously large salaries at the top. And I, I, I am personally only interested in one of them. You got John Wall for $42 million, James Harden 42 for 41 Bradley Beal for 35 which, hey, I think it, odds are that, but I would happily try to find a way to make that happen, including trading one very tall Matt Very Irving for 34. But after that, you're looking at you're looking at Goron, Ricky Rubio, which would he's overpaid, but I think he could help. Zach Levine not going anywhere. You have some interesting shooting guards, but I don't know that we need any of those. There's always Patrick Beverly if we want to go that route, but I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> depending on which side we want to choose Luca or Pat Bev I think. but yeah man like the the secondary creator thing unless we just trade for I don't I don't know A can afford and P Beetle I'm interested in the Goron prospect of him playing next to Luca I I will put it on a limb and I know that takes us to the I don't know if that's the move but mm-hmm. Goron discuss why we have to zero in on bust. Do you feel differently? I, I'm worried about like Goron. I think he would help Luca out for moral support and be that guy to maybe call him out on his bullshit. I think Kirk Henderson has done uh, a great job of having uh, this take for quite a while now, where Luca just really needs a guy to give him that kick, kick in the ass. But Goron has had health issues past couple years and he's getting up there in age too so that's not 
necessarily a guy that it, you can't really depend on. I think in a very limited role where if you didn't have that many expectations or didn't need him to play 60 games a year, I think maybe it could work out depending on whatever happens with Jalen part ways and maybe look at another alternative. I don't think that's a bad substitute. But again, I just I don't know how much how many eggs you're putting in that basket, especially just based on its age and and its injury history as well. The one thing that I will give him is um, off the broadcast, oh, Luke looks like he's playing with his food when he doesn't respect the opponent. Gordon's not going to. That's that's the biggest thing that I see is, like you say, he'll call Luke on his shit, but he will go, hey, dude, they're professionals. You're a professional. Be professional. A wonderful paper be to look forward to tomorrow on a Saturday. I don't know about you. I am definitely pro wrestling pay-per-views on saturday what about you one thousand percent i run a small business and i have three tiny children so doing stuff sunday night especially pay-per-views that are the big ones to where they're going to last four hours or more signing up for a rough week ahead oh yeah saturdays like i'm having four buddies over to to sit out by the beer fridge and enjoy it because Sunday, you can just chew. It's okay. I love it, man. I how Vince has made it this long and saying nope, that's never going to work is astounding. Because it's it's going great by me. I I can't find a fan who's not a fan of it. Yeah, and I think their new pay per view schedule for next year. I believe a lot of the shows I think are actually on Saturday. If I'm Correct. I don't know if their goal and our objective was to be a little bit more friendly to the traveling schedule for said wrestler or if they just chose not to go against said sporting events on Sunday. I, I want to try to at least be optimistic and maybe there's a teeny tiny part of me that thinks that they were actually thinking of them, their people and not themselves. But I don't know. Did you see WrestleMania tickets went on sale today? Have you dared looked at those prices yet? Knew they were coming soon. I didn't actually, uh, full disclosure, I did not know they dropped today. But I did know something that also coincides with today. It is the third anniversary of Becky's broken nose, the arrival of the man. Ah, what a great WWE memory that makes you go, maybe I should buy WrestleMania tickets. Oh, man. Here's the thing. So we'll talk for full gear here in a minute. So I looked at the price. I, I looked at the prices. Obviously, night one on a Saturday, that would be optimal. So I've heard from you, from your experience. I've, I've heard other buddies that I've, I've spoken to as far as going to WrestleMania the last time they swung into Dallas. And oh, man, I just the prospect of going sounds like a fucking beating. It, it sounds better in theory, but I think I've talked myself out of not wanting to even mess with it. Yeah. I'm not looking to attend. I, I, I did go and I had a great time when that glass broke and I saw Stone Cold come out. My buddy and I, without even trying to, just wrapped up in a bear hug and started. That's <laughs> like we saw Stone Cold in fucking person. Like it was so cool. Like The Rock came out with a flamethrower. Like a lot of cool stuff happened that. And my personal feelings about the WWE current product and situations around it 
I'm not as motivated to, to try to give them that kind of money to want something that I can also sit again with my buddies and, and enjoy it and do it at our leisure. Like it's, it's, they've, they have not incentivized me to return to the live event that I've done before. Oh, come on, Chris. You're telling me night one, Alexa bliss and some goo. That's not selling you the bust out your wallet. Dude, it, I, how they're going to spread it over to two nights with the remaining roster is, is, is I'll say a feat of programming. If you th- and Brock like smash each other, like seriously, Chris, you forget the normal Roman Reigns entrance is 10 minutes on television. So it's going to be about double that on a pay-per-view. So everybody's going to get about a 10 minute entrance. It's just going to be a lot more wacky, a lot more over the top. And promo packages leading into every match is shit 15 minutes jesus it's not gonna be fun and that was another thing because you brought up a lot of fun moments that happened on that show even though you had the very drab 30 minute triple h main event with roman which i i could go the rest of my life without even trying to remember or watch that and you were live for that but you had the rock you had austin you had the really fun uh, New Day match where they came out of a box of cereal. Like, you you had fun stuff like that. And maybe there's potential where you could do something with Big E if he's still champion. I don't know, if the, depending on if Vince gets bored of him or not. I just don't see anything, even hypothetically, if Ronda and Becky was on the horizon. I don't know if that's enough to convince me to go. From what I saw Tuesday on the preview, pre-release tickets you were looking at if you wanted to sit somewhere good i saw about six hundred dollars you were having to bust out and you brought up a good point is it really worth spending that six hundred dollars where i could spend maybe thirty dollars and just go to dallas and meet up with some people and just watch it there or freaking go to texas live i bet texas live will be showing it i hadn't thought about texas Live. yeah I bet Texas Live, I 100% Texas Live. And, you know, I, when I was the previous one, we were on the, the second deck up, and, but we were 50 yard line. We had, I would call them good seats. Like I was eye to eye with, the, with the Godzilla Tron. And then, and, but I had objectively decent seats and those were 350. And that's a one night event. So to go from, in what was it five years time to go from 350 for all of it to go if you wanted to go to both nights that's 1200 dollars. that's a 400 percent increase for a product that is arguably 400 percent less interesting it's big ask and you know and truthfully they're gonna get it people somehow still like on board to pay it and try to fill that place it was crazy to see a hundred thousand wrestling thing i was that was insane. Yeah, and the thing that they have working in their favor now, you're going to have all those international travelers chosen to get back to the States and watch media. You know what I mean? So, lucky bastard, go in their favor. Just, despite whatever they're pulling out there, they're going to get a good amount of people. Now, are they going to sell each night? I I really doubt that. I don't think, th- I don't think they're going to sell out both nights. I could see them. Whatever night Roman is on, that's the night they will probably sell out. Sure. Oh, I, I, without a doubt, the heel Roman, yeah. dude, how they waited this long to 
that's probably part of what Somehow. So, like, how they waited this long to bust that out of this guy? He's doing it so well. Oh, lo- yeah, lovely work on his part, but not gonna getting bored just a little bit. Just, uh, and that's not his fault, though. That is absolutely not his fault because no. he's smashing everybody. They're doing a piss poor job of trying to build up competitors. And I get this vibe where he's potentially going to have this thing for about two years. Oh, Lordy, if that's your admiration, I don't know if you're trying to build up uh, old uh, Braun Breaker and hope he's ready by next year and that's going to be your guy. I, I really just don't know what the end game is for him. I legitimately think it's Vince. Vince is doing so much other stuff. He's like, whatever, just leave Roman alone. He'll just carry it around. It's the same thing he's doing with Becky. Just look, they draw. I don't have to worry about them every week. They'll have their intro and it'll be money. I got to fix all these things over here that he won't stop tinkering with to let them develop anything. And so Roman's just got to stretch until they figure out somebody to hit. Because right now, you don't have that. There's not a person who's hitting. And quote, let me rephrase that. There is not a person who's currently rostered and was hitting and is building to something. Like, I'm not saying Keith Lee was the guy, but like, and they they don't want to develop anything because they need numbers and they need immediate return. That's, that ain't how it happens. Like, heat happens over time. So the wife saw SmackDown's coming to San Antonio, I think, at the end of the month. And she asked if I wanted to go. And I said, no, not really. Do I really want to just go? At the, the drives, like, I, I just felt like it was going to be a whole thing. And just making that hour and change trip, spending a couple hundred dollars, I don't really think that's worth my time or investment just to see like the experience they're just pushing the experience of just seeing roman which is it's a cool thing but why would i go to somewhere where they're going to potentially give me nothing or not give me what was even advertised anyway exact counterpoints i have not missed a dynamite that has come through dallas and that's in garland which if you're not from around here that's like a 45, 50 minute drive without rush hour traffic. And you also get, before you were getting a dynamite and dark matches. And this time you're getting dynamite and rampage. So those tickets are 38 for general admin. That's worth it. They are putting together a more compelling product. I get more products. It's, and it's cheaper. The only thing I wasn't doing was stop going. <laughs> um, I think they, I think it's, I, I think it's just hard right now with the, like AC, the uh, American Airlines, because I know that thing's, that sucker's just booked right now with hockey and everything else. I was trying to think, is there, oh God, is there not any other venues that they could hit up of substance? Man, so Ring of Honor, when they would come through, and same with Impact, they did it at Gilly's huge concert venue. There's just not, it's, they've got balconies and stuff that you could fill in, but it's meant the same kind of like stadium seating. But I will say I was there, Brian Cage's last, just an Impact, 
when they came in the last two Ring of Honor shows they did, they sort of and, and while more intimate, a hell of a good crowd. And with that sort of environment, I'm sure that they could find another spot. But Gillies is huge. If they wanted to build to put in the scaffolding or not scaffolding, but like the stadium seating to put in seats, I'm sure it would fit just fine and house, if not all, most of what they're getting in Garland flips. Man, that's I, 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 they could they could also play UTA for SMU and just put it in their stadium. That's where the wings play. It's the same thing as the AAC, just smaller. Don't understand what I mean with that. Like it's as so far as a setup, it's not the AAC. I, I think there are other options. I think they were just coming through and like, well, well Garland's probably within our price range for booking the venues. But yes, but they're offering they're offering enough for me to make this trip. It's exactly it's, it's worth it to drive yeah. it all the way to San Antonio for a show that you're like, dude, I don't even know if I'm at any match on the card, much less multiple people that I get to see wrestling. Exactly. And I think traditionally they probably do a dark taping like 30 minutes before. And I think they might have 205 live afterwards, but I'm just like, brother, thanks, but no thanks. And the wife was wanting to wait until they come through Austin again. I was like, babe, I don't really know when they're coming through Austin. So she decided to uh, surprise me a little bit and, and give me a nice little early Christmas presents. And I will, I don't know. She won't tell me where the seats are. I will say potentially, I think we could be in a section where she could dive on us. I, do I have enough space to put up a side potentially? It's just maybe I'm just like, oh, don't play games with my heart like that woman. Come on. I will say from... The two shows that we've done in Austin, both we've gotten the both shows that they've been in Austin and a timing enough. We went to the show in February, right before the world shut down in 2020. And then, of course, when they came this summer, that was like the first pretty much like big activity that we did in front of like people. And that that show was an awesome, awesome show. And I know you went to the Dallas show the week after. And it's just like, and that, and, that, and it's Archer mocks for the. IGP titles. There you go. That was awesome. Yeah, and that was fabulous. And I had the coffin match to look forward to, which was amazing. I get to, I, I freaking saw Sting. I saw freaking I, not that Matt. Not that I like Matt Hardy matches, but I I got to see Matt Hardy and Christian. Yeah, Matt Hardy and Christian live, and that was probably Matt Hardy's best match in AEW. I know a lot of people like the TNT Plunder match he had with Darby, but. I think from top to bottom, that was pretty, pretty solid to me. So I yeah, regardless, that's a solid Matt Hardy show. Yes, ab- ab- absolutely. Okay. I, I was gotta, I, we apologize guys. We were just meandering here a little bit. I, are you, are you, yes. It's been a while since Chris and I have gotten together and spoken and nerded out a little bit. We don't have to necessarily go from this card top to bottom. I, I want to just ask you a, a few things about this card, Chris. We'll save the uh, piece of resistance last, but I'm I'm gonna present a couple different matches for you that to me I, I can't call, and I want to see what you think. So right now we're looking at the title eliminator final between Miro, Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson. I'm sorry, I don't know how to call that. I I really I I don't. I thought before this was when Mock before Mox stepped away 
that seemed like an easy call for Mox. But now I'm just like, God, I don't know. I, I'm, ugh, I kind of little lean towards Miro because I, I, I feel like uh, Danielson could eat an L and still be awesome, and it doesn't matter. Cool. I like that. I like that take because I think there's more story there for him losing because he's just been mowing, right? I was originally leaning Brian Danielson because for all the matches he's had so far, none of them have been monsters. Mere no. monster. So if you want Brian to just be like elevated to like, hey, I'm in the title contention. Let's say you give him slobber knocker with Miro and you show that, no, not only is he technical, he is hard to take down and you put him over and then you get to you you get to page that's a great match that's a fun match and you see like a real he it could go but i like your pick because that same bit applies to to page on the other end if we predict a, a win there right if we predict page wins if miro goes up against him he can still can take on the monster and prove that he works the best. They can have some story. And Miro, ever loving credit, has basically of not cutting promos on anybody, cutting promos on himself. And so, like for for Brian to be like, oh, I want to be the best wrestler I can be. I wrestler to appease my god, and that's their hook against each other. That's really fun and interesting, and not done. Who is the better, like, self-determinating wrestler? I think that's really cool. I hope Miro wins. I do, too. I, I really do, too. I'm pro Miro. I've been on this run forever. That was, like, my one r- wrestling wish for the beginning of this year. I wanted the, I wanted Miro to be fixed. And funny, right after our Arcade Anarchy, which was... Really fun match, by the way. Uh, for any, anybody who hasn't watched that, like he's just absolutely ruled. Now, was him losing to Sammy the right call? I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I, I did at least you can say they put the strap on one of the four pillars of the company. So I, in theory, oh, pending whatever happens with Sammy next, that completely makes sense. Sammy ends up losing to Adam Cole, like that makes that even better because I'm. Get a uh, Adam Cole a belt like tomorrow if it need be, but sure. Ah, uh, man, I just uh, man, I I won't, I won't disagree with you on. I don't mind them losing a Sammy. I think the timing was wrong. Yeah, I, it was just it. They didn't. I I felt like if they had built that up maybe another week or two, maybe. I, I'm saying Sammy's sitting there with a belt, fucking around with with. Yeah, it's not doing for him to have it. So. They should have waited until they're done with full gear to then put Sammy over. Let us run with it. It's just that the belt's just been wasting away. That's the only beef I have is the timing of it. And, you know, there's something that a company as young as AEW's got to figure out. Like, you've got all of these interworking story parts. Like, that's why I'm trying to plan, like, in my pay-per-view analysis, it's how do we build more story out of here? Because you have a roster that's huge now. Mm-hmm. with proper talents so you gotta build out stuff that can flesh out over time and doesn't need to be resolved by the end of the month exactly now i i will say the one bit of fantasy helpful booking i have is miro ends up winning 
and let's say he passes out at Danielson. He just passes him out. Brian Danielson doesn't tap out. Muriel walks to the stage, and all of a sudden, Lana, now CJ Perry, comes out to greet greets him, and now they can finally consummate. Oh, I just now Lana comes and doesn't interfere. She just greets Miro, and Miro. It's the first time Miro has yes, and there's a nice promo he could potentially drop. I, I don't know. I just it, it, it would tickle me if she ends up popping up, but that that that's just me. That call for, for surprise to me out of the shape of you because I think there's a lot of groundwork laid in quote unquote wrestling Twitter for. Some reveals to happen on this pay-per-view. Yeah, whether that be new young folks or forbidden door folks, TB, TBD on that. So the other match I can't really call right now, I can't really call the tag title. Like Lucha Bros and FTR, I can't call that right now. Yeah, uh, man, I'm such a mark for both of these groups. Like, they're both just my favorite for very different reasons. Like, I want, I want those, uh, like, I, I think it's genius that they lost the, the other belts to FTR. And I would love for them to fight forever and just trade belts back and forth. <laughs> so interesting and fun and something that you really haven't seen for a while. I think FTR needs them. I think it's A, it's time. And B, I, they, with the pinnacle that kind of got, you know, sidetracked, but, Truly just letting FTR talk more, I think, is worthwhile because then you can, they can, those two guys can set the table for promoting any, any other tag team. Lucha Bros, they're not great at, at promo work on guys that can't talk back to them. Like it's guys that aren't good on the mic yet. They, FTR, or FTR can build those guys up. And watching any of the dark or dark elevation stuff that they've done, FTR put guys over. Like they, they will in their matches. So like they are willing to help promote some of the card, the tag team card that's gotten buried with all of the large signings. So I think from the smart money wise, I think it'd be good to put it on FTR to have those kinds of opportunities. Sort of like how Young Bucks like brought up when they had the belts, they would just bring up other tag teams and you end up seeing some really cool matches and some wrestlers that wouldn't have gotten the time yet. I think FTR is another one of those. I'm 100% with you. Also, if the Witcher brothers wanted to split up, I don't necessarily hate that because I kind of need Ray Phoenix to in single saddle, man. He's way too good. He's way too good. A split up for them and then Ray Phoenix versus Sammy for the TNT belt? Oh my god, put it in my veins like that. Yeah. Oof. Just like I, I just need him to win a, a single title. He's way too good. Look, the things that they could do with Ray Phoenix would be no, no disrespect to Ray Mysterio, but like it, they would do that so much better. I don't necessarily hate that. And although, so in my canon here, if I had to put money on it, I like the way I'm plotting everything out. I'm actually putting the Lucha Brothers over, believe it or not. Although. If they lose, and this messes up my potential fantasy booking, I don't care. But I, I have the Lucha Brothers right now actually winning because the next match I don't really know how to call is actually the mini the Minneapolis Street Fight. I don't think that's as easy to call as everybody thinks. So it should be easy enough for 
Dan Lambert's in the match, so he should just get his muffin. But the thing about it is that Jericho is about to go on his tour for Fozzy. I don't know exactly when he leaves, but that 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 clock's a ticking. Now, I'm not advocating I really need Dan Lambert to pin Chris Jericho. I'm just saying they have an opportunity to course correct a little bit where they really did the pinnacle thing back ass backwards. Yeah. And they had so much potential there where it just, it, I think it's okay to admit they messed up that one. I don't know if that was how Jericho and MJF and Tony just, they, I don't know. However, if they decided to put the men of the year over, I don't hate that because if you're lucky to build these guys up and look for talent, if the Lucha Brothers kill it with the FTR, I'm completely okay with that because if Lucha Brothers win, You've got your heel chant. You've got your number one contenders that, that need to beat the Lucha Brothers potentially in, uh, Paige and Scorpio. That now it's weird that Scorpio Sky ends up in the tag team scene when they tried to build him up as a singles competitor. But I, I feel like if they wanted to have the men of the year and Dan Lambert beat the inner circle, I don't really hate that because I think all of them really need to go their separate ways. Yeah. The, so I feel like. For the first two years of AEW, they had this obsession with building stables. Right. And I, I, they have this, re- like, the only one that's really worse is the inner circle. Every other stable has come and gone or hasn't had party family office technically exists. But what is it? Like, it doesn't, it, it's not a thing. It's just like this, hey, it's me. It, and you write for intro music. Like, I don't get it. And it's injuring people rather than promoting them. Right. It's mid-card fodder. Yeah. And, but with all of the stables, if you only have one survive, you don't need an, you don't need it. It, it can break apart and be its own thing and just be like, Hey, remember you can have Hager come up to Jericho later on and be like, Hey, we're still in a circle. And he'd be like, Oh, we're all watching, you know, but I don't, obviously there's, that's sort of uh, TBS, TNT, Turner family with Bellator situation that's being promoted. But I don't know what you get as AEW for putting American Top Team over unless those guys really want to come in and start wrestling, which I don't know if that's the case. So I don't see what you get other than mid year get a little more kind of over. So I don't know that they need that push were American top seeds. And the crowd hates Dan Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> like, seems like something they keep him more than way. <laughs> they hate him. I'll say this. I will give him this credit. He's finally learned when to shut up when the crowd is reacting. Exactly. Oh my God. When he first showed up and you just talk over them, it was like, this is not how... Somebody take the mic and Jericho just told me show the hell up. But I don't see what you get for AEW, like with putting them over. I think you're trying to bring Bellator people into AEW. So AEW's got to go over here. And I think that's his man of the year to be like, screw those guys. We are going to just get our And they go demand FTR or Lucha Bros. They demand we were carrying the I think Ethan Page like watching him in impact with the North. 
I think that's great. And Scorpio's guy obviously has skills. And so, get those two guys going and have a tag team division. That's Let's get more of that. Because private party for all their to get back into the fray. Because I had fun with them. I've had like my moments with uh, private party. I think if anything with, I don't know if I wanted them to be mid card fodder with this weird party thing, but right. they, at, at least being a heel group has taught them to work a little bit differently where I think the bucks, I, I, I think on the surface, what top flight is doing right now or what Dante is doing when what top flight did when they debuted. I think they envisioned that with, private party i i didn't really get a lot of private party when they beat the bucks i was just like uh like i I'm, i don't get that what are we trying to do here i just didn't i didn't get as much from their debut as from top flight and i didn't really know either team really well and but top flight i easily connected with them yeah no tools agree that top flight is obsessive tag team and more more skilled in the sort of like high flyer arena what I like about friends for these agree more fun the the tag team is the team division space for the like top card in is like for, you know, right for better or worse to where they can have more fun as bread but person weighing out as boy south as a bucks and I don't know if my buddy, my my buddy that I watch with, he watches a lot of. He's saying that Cody's down there, his tattoos, and it's he's put it and he's wrestling as a tag team with Fuego, and he's putting, he's letting, he's Fuego is the top. That's hilarious. If it's gonna like, and get to him. I would love for AEW to have a listen for like, and a little less. Everyone is about full aggression. If you think back to their first, let's say, you know, all in pay per view for a rest, they give the entrance of a full line of inflatable, have fun, fucking cracker bear, like sponsorship and barrel match. Like that's, that's something that I think as they've gotten like more intense on TV, they've lost some of that. And I would like some more of that, like, re- just to be able to bring other, other, of wrestling there's an alternative like kind of that's all it's like the thing about WWE is this this still a singular type of you like it when you don't right there's a potential to be more diverse on that front and comedy being one of in a small way look at Danhausen's popularity like it's there's a mark and I think they know that. And I think they can use what's passed to get further in. I agree. Now, I guess the next million dollar question I have for you, Chris. So we've got obviously the buy-in uh, match tomorrow, which I believe. So it was Nyla Rose and, oh God, I'm trying to remember it. It was Nyla Rose and was it Hater in, against uh, Sheeta and Thunder Rosa? Does that sound right? That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. What match do you open with tomorrow? And I was thinking about this. I've got two. Shit. Okay. So three, I guess, potentially you can open with. I'm thinking you could either open up with Britt, uh, Britt Baker and Ty Conti 
you could easily open up with Danielson and Miro, and that would just be a blast. Or if I had to put money down, I think they open with the Bucks in Cole versus Jurassic and Express and Christian because depending on how they lay out that match, they're going to have to make sure they spread that apart from the Minneapolis uh, street fight. Now, I wish they would have said it was a parking lot brawl, like similar to what if it was in the parking lot, maybe that would ease my concern of having two plunder matches on the same card where they have to make sure they're doing stuff different. And with the Bucks, well, I don't think anybody's going to be upset if the Bucks open up a pay-per-view. I think that's a nice, fun 15 to 17 minute match that could open up and it could be Ripper. And then if you wanted to go Daniel Sanamiro, you give them 20 minutes and just let them kill each other. And then I don't necessarily hate Brit and Ty because I think their spot is tricky because I want to make sure they get enough shine for the work that they put in. And I don't think putting them in, like giving them a nice little 14 minute match to open up the show. I don't hate that either. No, I don't. I, I absolutely don't. I have to, the only other match that I think you might open with based on some predictability and some just like to set a tone. I think you could also open with Punk and Eddie. Oh, God damn. That's a lot. Oh, God. The, because that, the, so much on the line for so many different wrestlers. He just right. with pure like emotion like that with those performers. Oh, and I'm, I am not above any of the starters that you just listed out. <laughs> now, I would not want to go, I would not want to go right after Punk and Kingston. Like now, if they did, if they did that and threw the women right after, I'd be so pissed. That's like, guys, come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. You don't let's do it. Like, I, I think if they, you do something like that, they you put Cody and Pack. That's who you put under that and say, here you go, guys, go try to kill each other because they just tore the house up. I think that's a nice potential filler match, which doesn't have a lot of stakes because I don't want to put FTR. I don't want to put FTR Leech up Bros right on after that. Like if they did. I definitely don't want to do the women. You don't want to do the title, the title eliminator right after that either. I guess you could, but I think that'd be rough too. I think, if, I think uh, you got it. I think you got it nailed. I think you just either start with Brit or you do the young book. I think those make the most sense for like pop because like you got a lot going on there. You get, you get, you get so much singing. <laughs> which <laughs> like this the end on both entrances and you like you started off with a very positive so that right. works yeah I'm all about it alright Chris so let's wrap up today talking about this main event oh god I, th- I was trying to really think has there been a character that I really disliked the most and the, I've had such a 180 turn of oh my god if this guy doesn't win I'm gonna legit punch a hole in my wall like just as far as just rooting for this has been like one of the best stories in wrestling that i can i feel like i've ever been hooked on from star start to bottom and so please. like uh, other than the trilogy okada omega stuff like i i think that's up there uh but i i really can't think of really anything else I, I think there's probably other interesting stuff in Japan, New Japan stuff, be anything with the A's or 
Naito, you could probably definitely throw out there. But as far as just something this long to have you this hooked for over two years and have a promotion say, hey, this is going to be our guy. This is the guy we want to strap, strap the belt with. But then end up tweaking it a little bit and then making it even like 50 times better. God forbid AEW actually booked something better than we knew, Chris. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat for this, Chris. Like, I just, I, I think it's going to be amazing. I, I know th- I'm still, I'm beyond stoked. Yeah. I know the last show was timed perfectly. I believe it was at three hours and about 40 minutes. God, I almost want to give this about 45 minutes and just let them just go. Oh, man, that sounds good. But I just, guys, I don't think you need that, like, Jeff. Japanese style. They both wrestle it. A Japanese style of like endurance tells the story. They're both really good stories. And I don't think they need that kind of time. I think they toss out of They can do that. And then part of that, part of why I say that is Kenny hasn't been doing a ton of and I is, you know, what his situation is. If he's, I know he's been like snaggingly injured and I don't know that he can go and with the way they built this some of it being totally thought out some of it being the curveball that has been the last two years of humanity they have made the most choice lemonade out of these lemons that they've been given and this was telegraphed to be resolved like early into the pandemic days and they figured out what they could do and done something like you said just way greater in just making this such a slow verse so i don't know this i don't know that dragging the match out does it i think it's just the the celebration afterwards is going to be like it's going to be just stellar stuff because dark order is going to be coming out and celebrating with them like Everyone who is not full on elite and super click is going to be so happy. Like it's it's going to be a celebration for the eight. We raise it down. My next question is: so you could either do that on the night he wins, or you could wait till Dynamite. But Bret Hart's got to pres- get him that title, right? Bret, I need Bret Hart at AEW to give him that title. Oh, that would be fun. Present him that title because he was there, right? Yes. L-T-S-T, Chris. Like, get Bret Hart in that ring to give him in that title, whether that be on the night. I, I think if you wanted to do that on Dynamite, I think that probably does a, a little better because potentially pick your poison to whomever you want, MGR, whoever the next opponent you want for the hangman to be. I think that's easy money for MJF to cut a promo on Bret Hart Come on, have Hangman or ha, have uh, MJF come out and interrupt him. That's easy. He and money that that promo would be amazing. That's good booking, my friend. I like that. Yeah. Yes. I think that they've waited long enough to do this, that they've already planned how long it's going to go and in what direction. That's the thing that is nice, especially about this is because they have stayed the course. Yes. Long 
that they have to have thought about all of the alternatives and, and, and ruminations like to go forward from here to make this a real solid face. And is MJF the guy for you? Is that the guy who uh, takes down page? Oh man. I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head, but it's hard to find, it's hard to think of someone that like wouldn't have to force the heat that would just exist. Those two guys like clearly would be able to build something that's not contrived. And MJF still undefeated, Chris. He is technically undefeated. He has not lost a clean match. Darby. Uh, see, I think that's an easy, I, I think you go MJF as well. I, I think this program with Darby, this whole planting the pillar in canon and actually making that a real thing was such a great idea because they've already got a shirt for it too. I'm not sure if you've seen the shirt yet. That's a great shirt, great looking shirt. I, Darby can eat this loss and be fine. Like I, I think Darby is one of those guys that I don't want to say he's bulletproof, but I think this entire program has been made to put MJF over. Have him take down, because he's already taken down, he's already beat all the pillars at one point in time. He's already beaten Jungle Boy. He's already beaten Sammy. And Darby's the last one left. So his dick promo could be like, I've already beaten all the pillars. I am the only pillar left. So the only uh, thing for me to do now is take what's rightfully mine, and that's the uh, pretty platinum. And him adding that to his his very lovely ring. What more drip can a, a man of fa- high fashion like MJF need besides more goals? And the, and the beauty with Danielson or Miro that they didn't say that's going to be the like the next title contender. They just said they're going to be awarded a title shot. From what I remember, so whoever wins. You can have Danielson in the back burner at any point in time, and I don't, I don't even know if I really want uh, Danielson and uh, Page. To be honest, I think if somehow MGF wormed his way to beat Danielson, oh my god, the atomic mega heat he would already have on his agenda if he ended up cheating Danielson would just be oh, Chef Kiss. I can I can talk myself into uh, into a Nero shoot on him once he gets done is hey man i am right here like you say interrupting the party nero literally comes in like a bull in a china shop i could see that and the heat that those two could stare lasers into each other's eyes like that that's proper heat that can just smolder and i think you know it just essentially nero could just play wrecking ball to to page's life like just systematically take apart dark order people and then test his loyalties and stuff like that and just be like you're not the better man because i can take away everything else you have but that thing i think i could see that too it's really just how long they want to let page reign you know what i mean to me because if you want him file not necessarily kenny long that's obviously on purpose but if you want him to have a decently long run, I don't think you put MJF right at his throat because I think that would you'd end up with a lie, lie cheat steal title and it wouldn't it would diminish like how good of a champion, especially as a face that Hangman can feed. So I think you might have to buy some time there mm. and put him put that to get for 
stall out or for the next full gear eat. Like, let that one build up a little bit. True. I could see it. Anything works because it's all chaos and it's fun chaos that you can't predict. And it's not just an F you predict. Like, all of it works. What's fun? What's fun over here? Yeah. And I think no matter. I think this is like one of the few promotions where you could fantasy book something in your head as canon and it not happen and be okay with it. Because like I, the only, I would say maybe the only thing that's probably not going to happen tomorrow, obviously Ty Conti's not going over. I would presume Cody is not going to go over tomorrow. I hope, I hope he doesn't, but they're not going to give you something that you don't want. and. If they're giving you this Kingston Pong, like whatever the outcome is going to be, it doesn't matter because you're still going to be happy because they're still going to feed that wrestling palette that I think a lot of us for years now have been just starved for. And it's a great time to be an AEW wrestling fan, Chris. That's the uh, Twitter. Nice. It is such a good time. I'm trying to check in on other promotions. Like I've got tickets next month for a GCW show. Let's just see what's going on. But man, every time I watch it, it's like, man, what would they be like in Asia? That's the, <laughs> everybody to come play in this fun sandbox. Look at Bobby Fish. Who? I would love to see a Bobby Fish match like three weeks in a row. But no, I, I, I am watching them with great, great joy. Bobby Fish. What, a, what like, an example. Bobby Fish, Jungle Boy. You're like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy that. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people forget Bobby Fish, he's kind of a, he's a grizzled young vet. He's not a spring chicken. This is not a fresh fish. This is a old kind of battered Bobby Fish as well. This is out of the freezer and you, yes. you smell it first. <laughs> oh, what time? Uh, what times are we living, Chris? Chris, I can't thank you enough for your time. For those listening today that want to support you and anything that you're doing, any particular thing uh, that you want to plug that folks can support you and your work? Man, I'm not plugging anything at the moment. I am I am enjoying being a viewer. I tweet occasionally from Slava Frage on Twitter. But outside of that, I am just a fan, just like the rest of you. When I have something to promote, that's where you can find out about it. Thanks for hanging around for another episode of Money in the Bank Shot. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Brian, check us out on Twitter at MITBSPod. We'll see you next time. <laughs>